You sending the wolf? Shit, that's all you had to say. Get away from her, you bitch. Banana. Fortune and glory, kid. Fortune and glory. You're not even interesting enough to make me sick. It's only an island if you look at it from the water. I'm your density. You think I'm gorgeous? You want to kiss? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sending the Wolf. My name is Clark Wolf. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I have a great episode for you. Um, I am happy that you are here. So last week, because my friend Todd Stashwick was my guest and his movie came out, Kim Possible uh, on Disney Channel came out on February 15th, we didn't really do a Valentine's Day episode. Um, And so the timing and the choices just worked out so that this week and next week, so the next two uh, two Tuesdays in February, we I have two uh, very differing love-centric episodes. Um, so today I have Kat Wells. Kat is um, a friend of mine for several years. She is a horror fan. She is a movie fan. She's a producer over at Wondery, which has produced some of your favorite podcasts like Dirty John. And she is the co-host of her own podcast, The Carry On Podcast, which is a Sex and the City podcast. And then a um, and then her podcast, Boys and Ghouls, which I have been a guest on. Actually, I've been a guest on both. And um, so she's the co-host of both of those. She is such a sweet friend. I am such a fan of hers and her husband's. And um, so Kat came on and decided she wanted to talk about Fatal Attraction. And I will be honest with you, Fatal Attraction is a movie that I had never seen up until Kat um, picked it. Now, of course, through pop culture, and through clip shows and all kinds of things, I had heard about Fatal Attraction. I had seen scenes from Fatal Attraction. I knew the, you know, famous lines with the, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan, and the, you know, things with the bunny and the final sequence and all those things. Um, but I had never seen the film and I'm so, so glad that I did. And so I wanted to start, and I don't think I've ever done this before, but I wanted to start by recommending that if you haven't seen Fatal Attraction, if you think you know what the movie is because you were like me and you've seen, you know, clip shows and pop culture references and all this stuff, I would highly recommend watching Fatal Attraction before you listen to this episode. Um, you're not going to find something completely different than what those clip shows or those pop culture references um, are alluding to. But you are going to find, I think, something that is way more nuanced and has much more going on than just the trashy sex, uh, sexual thriller that I think it's remembered for. Not to say that there aren't a lot of sexy thriller elements, but I just think that there's so much more going on behind the, beneath the surface with this one. Um, that I would suggest watching the movie or rewatching it if you haven't seen it in a while. And sort of piggybacking off of that, you know, I try really hard to not make this a history lesson or 
you know, talk about lore that we've read on the internet about the making of the movie or this or that. But with this one specifically, we really do get into more of the behind the scenes, especially with respect to the ending, which is another reason why I would suggest watching the movie if you haven't seen it before. Um, and, uh, and so the but the ending and the behind the scenes um, decision making in this movie, Kat and I really get into and and I think that it's relevant and I think that it matters. So just just that little bit of two cents before we start. The last thing I want to say is that for some reason and I was listening through headphones when we were recording, but for some reason, my mic is like way louder than Kat's. Um, so sorry about that. And uh, and, you know, I, I apologize. I'm just not a tech technical wizard. Um, but that's it. Okay. So I love Cat Wells. I'm so glad she's on my show. Um, I am always thrilled to be on her shows. Um, I love her as a person. I love her as a friend. I love her as a professional. And I, I love this conversation, uh, that we had not only about our main movie, but about the movie that she adds to the list. Um, so without further ado, here is Cat Wells talking about Fatal Attraction. <laughs> until I press record. Okay, I pressed record. Uh, I'm very excited for this. I just need to say up top that this movie gave me a lot of feelings. Yes. Like, I had never seen it. I had not seen it until last year. Okay. we're in similar boats. I think... First of all, I think it's a travesty that I hadn't seen it because, like, not necessarily erotic thrillers, but obsessive thrillers mm. are are one of my favorite types of films. Uh-huh. Like, I I'm I'm I any movie where someone's like, if I can't have you, no one can. Mm. Is I'm like, well, sign me up. I don't care how trashy it is. I don't care how embarrassing it is. I'm gonna watch. And it. why do you think that is? I don't know. Maybe we'll unpack that today. Ooh, I, I hope don't we know. do. Maybe you can help me because I don't. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I'm trying to think there's, um, one I saw a few years ago, um, for the first time was Mother's Boys with Jamie Lee Curtis. And if you haven't seen no. it, it is a real, real treat. Oh my gosh. It's like a mother and father are estranged, if I remember correctly. And like, she wants custody of the kids, but she's an absolutely insane person. And okay. she's like uncomfortably sexual in front of her son. Jamie like, Lee? Yeah. It's, oh it's, my God. It is trash of the highest order and it's so much fun um but you know um fear yes the crush yes movies like that are my bread and butter i think they're kind of horror adjacent they are like that's probably part of it but they're definitely horror adjacent speaking of um i was doing so i don't usually do a lot of research which i know sounds kind of lazy and silly uh but i was i was reading about this because i've i've read a lot about fatal attraction uh, over the years, and it just celebrated an anniversary two years in 2017. Um, and so there were a lot of interviews. And I remember Glenn Close talking about, like, she you has know, feelings. she has feelings. Yeah. And uh, and so I did a little reading because I wanted to read exactly what the alternate ending was that they reshot. And then as I, I stumbled on this article uh, from Sherry Lansing's um, memoir, mm-hmm. and Sherry Lansing, you know, for the audience who don't know, was like the head of Paramount for a long, long time. And she was very involved in making this movie. And uh, she said in her that that uh, article that she went to John Carpenter and asked him if he wanted to direct what? this movie. And he said no. <sighs> he said no. And then it was uh, it was 
oh man, who was it? It was, oh, Brian De Palma. Uh-huh. So oh, basically uh-huh. the, the trajectory was Brian De Palma was attached. That got the green light. And uh, and then Michael Douglas had been in with the project for several years before De Palma came on. And so De Palma and Douglas did not get along. And so basically Brian De Palma said, it's him or me. And they were like, okay, well, it's him. Um, so at the last minute, the director they found was, was like a... Yeah, it is because I think that that really matters. I think casting a different lead matters. I think having it be a Brian De Palma movie absolutely matters. Uh-huh. And then having it be a John Carpenter movie absolutely matters so um yeah this is so okay so you only saw this one though even with a love of all thing all things like possessive thriller yeah i was me i was vaguely familiar like we all were with the like bunny boiling you know all of that i kind of i kind of understood um in a general sense and then i think i think my best friend was like are you are you kidding me? You haven't seen Fatal Attraction? Like we have to remedy this immediately. And he was like, I wrote a paper on, you know, I guess in college he wrote a paper in film class about it and about like Reagan era professional yeah. women and you know all of that. And he sort of set me up when we sat down to watch the movie. He was like, you know, um, audiences revolted at this original ending and they thought she needed to be punished more. And I was like, oh, I cannot wait to watch this movie. So we watched it and I was. I was completely, um, like, shaken to my core with how kind of brutal. I did not expect the ending to be so, like, I don't know. It's upsetting. It's It's very upsetting. upsetting. Yeah. And I was just thrilled um, by the end. I was like, I cannot believe I've never seen this. Yeah. Yeah. It was... um Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that coming to this movie, especially like when we're coming, when we're talking about it is um, definitely allows for a different kind of analysis. But I also was really struck by like how, how well crafted the movie is, Mm -hmm. like from a cinematic standpoint, you know, like it's, it's not subtle, but like Alex is always in black or white. She's always dressed, and and you know when we first meet her, she's all in white. And we first when we first see the family, mm-hmm. uh, the, Michael Douglas's family, they're all in white. And also, can we talk about that the opening shot of the movie, which I I which really struck me this time, which is the camera is just panning kind of silently over like dirty like Manhattan, yes, you know, and and it's dark, and then it sort of settles upon this window yep. and there's a glow and it's like you it's like the safety of the family unit yeah. inside and it's like what's about to happen to the family yeah I mean you never like it's it's always fascinating to me I mean I have this thought every now and again like if you drive past a house and you can see inside the house and you're like those are people with lives mm-hmm. like spirals I'm and, such a peeper yeah like, I love it I love being able to see what are they watching yeah what's going on? or like crowded uh, a crowded street and like you see if you're stopped at a light and you look around around and you look at every single person on the corner and you're like every single person on this corner has a story they're dealing with like they have family issues yes. or money issues yes. or they just fell in love or they have a secret yeah yeah it's so i think i like the idea of like this vast dark you know huge place and then just sort of we're gonna go into this fam- house right now and then see where it takes us you know when you could have gone into the window next door and who knows mm-hmm. where it would have taken you yeah 
Um, I didn't notice that Glenn Close was only in black or white. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch the movie again. Yeah, I noticed, like, I mean, I did write it down. There were specific instances where, you know, like when she shows up to Michael Douglas's office for the first time, she's wearing that black yeah. trench coat. But it just, it like, it so envelops her. It, it It's so big that you can't see anything but this black. Yep. And um, it's what she picks up the little girl. Uh, she's wearing the black trench coat. But then she's oftentimes in a white lingerie or well, she's in. How interesting that she's in that like white dress when she has like slit her wrist. Yeah. She's like this sacrificial lamb yes. or something. And as opposed to being, yeah, it's so interesting. That's what she's wearing. And meanwhile, like Michael that. Douglas, like in the scene where they're sitting and having dinner for the very first time, he's in dark black and dark clothing and she's in white. And, you know, um, towards the end, there's there's one specific moment where uh, we're, again, like they are back, they are face to face and she is in white and he is in black and it's it's not again it's not subtle like it's but I also think that you know craftsmanship wise like there are so many interesting nods and things like the there's a little bunny rabbit stuffed animal that the mom is picking up in the very 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 beginning and you see you know and Alex has the line about being a great cook and like all these things (laughs) so it's like it's it's a really well-crafted film and I I think that it it's nice that because you know this movie could have easily been trash and I don't think it's trash I think that it actually is very thoughtful. It's almost like it is a really thoughtfully made lifetime movie. Totally. Or something. It's kind of how I feel about, I mean, like, this is not on the same level as this film, but I've I've always felt like, um, speaking of, like, possession, possessive thrillers, um, Chloe with... Mm. Julianne Moore and Amanda Seyfried. I've never if you seen that. I want to see them having sex. Um, and I mean, it is a bonkers movie and it's it's kind of trash, um, but it's a little more skillfully and thoughtfully yeah. made than like a Lifetime version of it. But I'm, I love an elevated like Lifetime obsession movie. What do you think? Okay, because so, so I think that if this movie came out today, and I mean this specific movie. I don't mean like the imitators because mm-hmm. obviously there are, there's one every year, like one, whatever. Um, but we have this fascination with true crime. We have this fascination about like the psychology behind why people do the things that they do and what drives, you know, someone to kill and, and be obsession and, and all of these things. Like, I mean, this, I feel like this movie would be, would still be very, very popular and still be kind of a smash but I also think that it would be I don't know I think it would be handled a little bit kind of the way that Glenn Close has been talking about like she wishes you know she has a sympathy for Alex yeah. and she she definitely feels like you know she she's a this was this is a woman who has um you know who has mental health issues and not she's not supposed to be like queen super bitch you know what right. I mean I don't know yeah I mean I <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how uh, they would make a really visible version of this movie today because people. I feel like a lot of women would revolt over the portrayal, um, which is wild because Glenn Close, like you said, she was so careful and thoughtful yeah. about the character and like. I think if I remember reading correctly, like put up a fight yes. about certain things about not wanting the ending yes. to be the way it was, and 
um, you know, and how she went to like a few psychologists mm-hmm. and psychiatrists and was like, okay, the way this script is written is would a person behave this way and why and what disease what mental illness would they have and they're like certainly here's the condition and she like studied up on it hardcore um and she was very adamant about like she would be um she wouldn't direct her rage externally she would direct it she would put it on herself yeah um i wonder oh yeah i wonder i mean so much of true crime at all and especially these days is focused on men yeah. being obsessed with women for good reason because that's statistically what happens yes. most of the time um but you know female fe- female killers and female serial killers tend to strike people that they know right. or are close to rather right. than like random strangers and in different ways too like yeah. female serial killers are usually playing the long game it's probably it's it, they, yeah <laughs> they say that that's one of the reasons why they get caught less frequently is because male serial killers need to have the attention and female serial killers are like nope I'm just gonna slip right, right back here and nobody's gonna I'm gonna keep my mouth shut yeah. for 60 years yeah. whereas the male serial killers are like showing up at the scene like hey officer do you need right. some help and right. it's like oh so you did it defending like, themselves in court like yeah, Ted Bundy exactly um but Okay, so now I'm thinking, uh, if we're talking about today, I'm thinking about, um, you know, the way, the lens through which we view um, Fatal Attraction now, and and I don't know how obvious it was then, because often people will say, like, we don't know what movie we were making until 20 years later. I mean, this one's pretty obvious, but, you know, you've got, you've got the, the two women who are, um, two versions of women, especially at that time. Yes. You had a um, mother who is loving and caring and takes care of her family. And, um, oh gosh, what's her name in the movie? Um, uh, it's, oh, Ellen is the daughter. Uh, yeah. Uh, Bre- uh, Bre- no, hold on. I wrote it down. Ann Archer is the actress. Uh-huh. And she's very good. Alex and Gallagher. Ellen, Dan. Uh, Dan and, ah, isn't wait, that terrible? Wait, I, wait, she... Hold on, we're looking. Beth. 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 So Beth, Beth is this almost, I mean, really idyllic vision in the sense that like of a, of a woman and a wife and a mother in the sense that she, um, she isn't even portrayed as being like bland. Yes. She is a sex pot. Yes. At that party they go to. She's smoking. It's so and confusing and complicated, which I love. Yes. They give her no, okay. This is a much bigger conversation. I feel like, um, so audience, we've been easing you in, but now I feel like it's time to talk about feelings because I have strong feelings about a lot of this. And so this was one of the biggest things. Like, and this is one of the reasons why I really appreciate the the nuance to this movie because it would have been so easy to make her boring. I don't want to have sex. Mm -hmm. I don't, I'm a nag. I'm all these things. But Beth is fucking awesome. Yeah. She's cool. She's smoking hot. She's a good mom. She's funny. She, she's totally. Like, she, she can keep up. Like, she expresses yes. a little bit of discomfort at this party they go to at the beginning of the movie. She's like, oh, do I look okay? Or something. Or yeah. whatever. But generally, she just jumps right in. People yes. are making jokes. She's like, uh, I guess I'm in on the joke. Huh? Like, she's great. They're she's great not at the dinner parties. Little, yeah. Yeah. Like, when she has their couple yeah. friend over. And like, yes. Yeah. And she's close with her family. Like, 
She is a cool, cool lady. And so I like the nuance of the fact that this guy, who, by the way, Michael Douglas's character might as well be called dad bod to me. <laughs> like, And I like that. I was reading, um, actually, in that same Sherry Lansing piece that Michael Douglas was like, okay, I'm going to start working out. I'm going to start. And she was like, no, no, I want you to be soft around here. I want you to be soft in your belly a little bit. I want you to look like like dad, like a dad, you know, and like a dad who has a corporate job and is climbing the ladder. And so I like the nuance of, okay, he has no reason to cheat or to have this affair, just with the exception of he can. Mm -hmm. He can. Mm -hmm. And and that's enough. The opportunity presents itself. And he takes it. And you know what else I like is that, so the way I, I, I'm very interested in relationships in general. And um, I've listened to, have you listened to that podcast, Where Should We Begin? Yeah. Okay. With so, Esther Perel. Esther Perel. Yeah. Um, I love so her voice. I love that podcast. It's fascinating to oh, me. Oh yeah. And um, but when she and she, Esther Perel has written a lot of um, books on adultery. Yeah. And a lot of times, what people say is that you know, um, adultery is a symptom. It's not like you know. And, and a lot of times. If you make a slip, if you slip once and you make a mistake. You have no intention of continuing. It's not a relationship. Yes. And a lot of times people say, you know, like, should you tell your partner? Like, because all all it's going to do is hurt them. And make you unload somehow, feel better by unloading your burden. Yes. So I like how they make the choice in this that he just, like, he just does it. And, but the thing that... He just digs this hole deeper and deeper and deeper. And and the fact, like, so many chances he has to walk away. And he won't. Like, he, like I'm talking about that weekend. He yeah. literally spends a weekend dating another yeah. woman. That's right. I mean, they're going to the park and, and they're cooking together. Oh, the conversation they have about Madame Butterfly. Where oh, he's my like, God. So casual. He's like, well, yeah, my dad. And, you know, he's just telling a story. It's like, are you, can you... Can we pull back from the scene for a moment, from the scene of your life, and can you recognize that, like, your does, does it not feel odd to be with someone else this intimately? And I don't mean the sex part. Yeah. But it's like, what? Yeah, they're dating. I mean, they're yeah. good. Like, they spend the weekend dating each other. And there are so many times where where I was just like, oh, you you motherfucker. Like, this guy, he this no fucking guy. He no idea anything will go wrong. And mostly because she's being so reassuring. But he's just like... Uh, yeah, you know, what What are you going to do? I'm married. But let's enjoy our time now. Like, completely comfortable yes. behaving this way. Yeah, and it's very interesting because, like, okay, so am I saying that Alex's behavior is correct? No, I am not. Alex should not, you should never threaten another human being. You should never commit violence against another person. Like, obsession is a real thing. I understand that. However, there is part of me that's like, hey, dude, did you not think there would be, he was operating as though there would be no consequence for his action. None. And when you think about what, like, oh my God, the scene where he tells Ann Archer, he tells Beth, her reaction is so sad. It's heartbreaking. It's so authentic. And it's like... He wasn't, he was never thinking about anybody but himself. Like, finding out what he did. And then... The fact that he had, I mean, again, 80s, so unprotected sex. And like, that's a whole conversation that is, you know, very uh, important to the time, obviously. But like, that's your, you're going to bring that into 
the house mm-hmm. with you. how careless how uh-huh. fucking stupid yeah. oh and he even says to her when uh alex glenn close says she's pregnant he goes i wrote it down he says you don't uh use anything Excuse me? It's her fault. Excuse me? Yes. You don't, uh, okay, A, you just expected her to be on birth control. B, you didn't even ask her if she was on birth control. Right. But now it's all her fault. Right. I mean, so I hear you with, um, you know, watching this movie through the lens of like, no, the way that Alex goes completely and literally insane is not acceptable. However, when you're, when you're dealing with, when you're a woman anytime, but in the 80s, and especially a woman, her character is this is this working woman. She doesn't have children. She's not married. She's living on her own, which was like a thing, but not yet pe- something yeah. people are comfortable with. They're still not fucking comfortable with it. Um, and you and you're the one shouldering the hurt feelings and the pregnancy and the consequences. I, I think I think you rage out a little bit. I think you do. Yeah, it's a tough one too. You know, I think that if this movie were made now, we would spend more time with her at the office. That was something that was actually very interesting to me was that we see her in this meeting. We see her sitting in the room full of dudes and the secretary. You Mm -hmm. know, you notice that Mm -hmm. like very specifically. But then that is the extent of what we see from Alex in, in the work environment. We just know that she's like a big wig, very successful. And I would have liked to have seen her unraveling a little bit at work or yeah. like how she interacts with people, how people at work interact with I her. I found myself wondering at one point, I'm like, D- how does she have time to like ruin his car and do all this stuff? I'm like, doesn't she have a very important job? Yeah. And how is she maintaining her like mental state at work? Yeah. Like really? It's it's a it's really 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 interesting and and you know the yeah the irresponsible they're they're it's so it's just there's so much being irresponsible um, on display here but I do love like how um, uh, Michael Douglas's character is like you know I I said earlier that he's like dad bod but in a character mm-hmm. but like he he's a he's a doofus in a lot of ways like yes he's Michael Douglas so he's cool he can't help but be cool but like getting cream cheese on his nose eating a bagel mm-hmm. or like when they're having sex and he has the pants around his ankles yeah. and he's it's it's just so these are again really great touches to let you know that this guy is just a guy yeah he's nobody special and he's of course Michael Douglas so he's gonna be like movie star hand them. Yeah. But um but I like I like that characterization yes. a lot. Yes. Yes, because well the whole point I I well, one of the many points I think is that this could it's a warning of you know what could happen to I guess it's a warning about infidelity among many other things, but it's like you, you can make one choice that right. seems um easy in the moment but that can wreck your whole life or you know if you're Michael Douglas you just make your wife tea and then um she's fine with you right having done all that to her um but but um yeah and and I think if he were uh, some chiseled like perfect looking it'd be like oh okay yeah of course he's a man about town he's right he's not Don Draper he's like dad bod yeah it'd be like it'd be like oh well the expectation of he's fighting women off all the time yeah and by the way because he's an attorney in New York City he probably is to be honest with you um which is a whole other double standard weird thing um but uh yeah there is I I definitely had a lot of feels I had a lot of feels in general um yeah, and oh, I just could, like I literally wrote down in my notes, 
oh my God, stop going over there. Yeah. Stop dating this woman. Just what stop. are you doing? He just keeps going back for more. And yeah. I'm like, what is happening? Stop. Yeah. But it's it's also gets tangled up in this nice guy thing. Because I was thinking about like, I was thinking about what, you know, this, this is probably going to sound really weird, but I was thinking about what my boyfriend would do in this situation. Because my boyfriend's a very sweet you know, nice guy. Yeah. He, he very is an empathetic person and he cares about people and he wants people to be okay. Um, and so what would he do if he got in a situation where he was sleeping with a woman who, who slit her wrists? Like, and, and sometimes I was like, you know, Yes, you you take an emergency seriously. Like you have to take an emergency. He's not a he's not a monster, right? I'm talking about Dan Michael Douglas's character. But then there were other times where I was like, stop hugging her, stop kissing her, yeah. stop telling her. Maybe if I didn't have a wife, you could be my girlfriend. Yeah. But I'm just like, what the? What is this? Yeah. I, yeah. Why? Why? It's a man behaving the way he can. I mean, I don't mean to be. I don't. I love men. Yes. Um. I I really do. And. Uh, but it, it strikes me that that it, it is it is kind of abhorrent behavior to be stringing her along, even in the circumstances where he very clearly should be drawing a line and like maybe taking her to a hospital and getting her checked in and like maybe telling his wife way earlier so that like you know I just yes. all these things. But but because uh, I I can't help but think that it, in part it's because he he's he. When you're when you're a high powered attorney in the '80s and you're a man, then you probably don't have that many roadblocks. Sure, of course. And so you're just yeah. you just sort of think that if you say whatever you feel like the right thing is to say and you do whatever you feel like is good to do, then things will just sort of work out. Yeah, because they always do. Yeah. Um. Ugh, not to put too fine a point on it, but I just I just kind of feel like you know a little resentment that you know he just gets to walk through life and like do these things and and every all the women in his life including his sweet little daughter uh. just suffer oh by the way I realized something watching this movie, which is that the little girl who plays Ellen, um, I was like, why is she so familiar? It's because she's little Ruby Sue in Christmas Vacation. Yes, yes. <laughs> Uncle Clark, are you Santa Claus? <laughs> which she's adorable in that movie too, but I'm like, oh my God, she's she's just such a funny little, he, he has such a charming little family. Right. That, okay, so this is the question, like, well, I always think about in, um, have you seen the movie Moonstruck? No, okay. that's Cher. Yes, yes, and Nick Cage. I haven't. I don't actually even know what it's about at all. Okay, well, go in and go watch it. It is, it is a delight. Um, and uh, it's a love story. Uh -huh. It's a romantic comedy. But, um, and it is just as good as every, all the lore Great. says it is. Nick Cage is so great in that movie you, you say no more yeah cage. um so but uh olympia dukakis plays oh. uh Cher's mother oh I love and her. uh and she she feels like her husband she thinks her husband's having an affair and so she's going and she's having dinner and she throughout the whole movie she keeps asking men why do men cheat and she gets different answers and and finally uh, somebody says she says why do men cheat and gets an answer from a man where he says I, I don't know maybe it's because they fear death and she goes yes that's it that's it because it's the answer she uh. has wanted <laughs> for so long but I think about this like to what you were saying about his sweet cool little family and he's on the rise at work 
he's about to be made a partner, we're led to believe. And he has, uh, you know, this, this, these other couple who are dear friends and like, he has all these things. He's getting ready to buy a house in the yes. suburbs because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Everything's falling into place. And it's just like, why, I mean, what is the desire, like, the, is that the desire to have your cake and eat it too? Is that the desire to have it all right. is that or is it some strange instinct to like self-destruct right because some of us I mean I think we all have it to a degree I've certainly done it um just just like made decisions where I'm just like I look back and I go like oh my god you know that was not in my best interest yeah. whatever it was and I think sometimes maybe when things are going well or or potentially the banality of like when you can see the next like 30 to 40 years of your life and exactly how they're going to play out is there some internal thing that's like that makes you ooh, that makes you feel closer to death mm-hmm. because you because you just go like all right well this is it until I die yeah I know what's gonna happen my daughter will grow up get married blah 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 and um and so then you you feel the need to feel alive in some way and certainly doing when you're when something's going horribly wrong and you're in trouble because you've you know cheated on your wife that's that's a that'll distract you from I don't know, being afraid of your own mortality. Yeah, well, especially when it's staring you and your pets in their faces. Yeah. Um, Yeah, you know what's interesting, too, that I noticed is um, when he – okay, so – when when Dan is telling uh, Beth about what happened, you know, and and he's confessing, um, he lies to her then mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. He says, "Oh, it was just a one night yeah. stand." Fucking yeah. liar! Stop yeah. lying! Yeah. Like, yeah, I I'm so frustrated by this because here's the thing, and you know, I'm a talker. I don't know if you know this about me. I'm a talker. I enjoy it about you. <laughs> And I understand, having been in a relationship for almost two years, um, men aren't always talkers. Some men are, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, I have I have girlfriends who say, oh, no, my boyfriend or my husband, like, if he's got something on his mind, bleh, it just comes straight out. Yeah. And I'm like, that's amazing. But so I read articles sometimes about communication between men and women. And and I read this article today where this, this male... Um, you know, expert or psych, or you know, couples therapist or whatever, who is married to a woman who is also a couples therapist, was like, men don't like talking. So how can you address your problem without making him talk about it? And it was like, here's six ways to address a problem in your relationship without actually talking uh-huh. about it. And I was just like, I don't really know what to do with this uh-huh. because. I understand, because this man's argument was, okay, so women feel disconnected, and so talking makes them feel connected. Mm -hmm. Men feel shame when they are, like, being told we need to have, we need to talk brings up shame in them. So they are go, I would rather do anything else than talk. And I'm like, that is 100% fair, okay? Fine. But... Also, don't we have to work on ourselves a Uh little bit? uh And don't we also have to go, okay, if that's your natural instinct or feeling, that is valid. But maybe having a conversation with your partner, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in a marriage that's 10 years or however long, like maybe... Yeah. Maybe let's adjust a little. Maybe let's meet in the middle. Um, well, I mean that that makes me that makes me think of um uh which I think it does apply to this 
movie and the the women's and men's roles. But um, did you read that article and then the subsequent follow up um, that went viral over the last couple of years about emotional labor? Oh yes, yeah. Oh, so yes. I think about that because I think you know I've heard that excuse too. Yeah. I've been told um, about uh, I don't I don't want to be weirdly vague about it, but like I've I've had that argument thrown at me, not about my husband. My husband is lovely and he will talk um, anytime I want to talk. Um, but about another person in my life that like, oh, well, he's, uh, he's a man. He's just not gonna, I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, I don't like that excuse. Yeah. Because it feels like an excuse. Yep. And I don't want to discount that like, you know, look, w- toxic masculinity is bad for men as well mm-hmm. because it teaches, we teach little boys they can't cry. And you know, yes, yes. I do understand. I do very much understand bringing shit from your childhood to adulthood yes. there I have hang-ups I have we all have experiences things we went through that were traumatizing that we deal with to this day and we will always deal with but that's kind of the point is that everyone has stuff they have to deal with and it does seem to me like um like women shoulder more of the burden um so often because that those are the roles that we've we observed that we modeled ourselves after uh, even subconsciously as children before we even knew we were doing it and we still do it and and it does feel like we make excuses sometimes for men's behavior um boys will be boys i mean all that shit it's like that's bullshit yeah it just is yeah I agree. But when they get it, when they have a track record of getting away with it, that just becomes like, and how insulting to be the wife who, who he, you know, he's confessing what he did and he's still lying. I mean, she doesn't know that, but. I just, yeah. It's just like, now is not the time to keep lying. Mm -hmm. Now's the time. You know, like you got another woman pregnant. It's, it's already bad why don't you just (laughs) because also it causes their family danger a disservice to to just be like i had unprotected sex one time and the one in a million shot that that you know and i got her pregnant and it happened once like that is very different than i might have missed i might have done something that caused her to have misinformation I mean, yeah, but I can't imagine any, I can't imagine Michael Douglas's Dan or the gentlemen that are represented by Michael Douglas's Dan being like, here's the whole truth. It's like, you know, yeah, he just keeps going and going and going and making it worse and and misleading his wife so that she can't, maybe she doesn't take it as seriously as she probably should have. Like, would Beth, she's, actually, he's taking away Beth's, decision making again to say like because you know if Beth knew what had been going on oh yeah she probably wouldn't have told Alex to threatened Alex right. she probably right. would have handled it differently right I, I like to think that um and and I yes and if she'd been able to be a fly on the wall and see him dating this woman then there might maybe through her like blind rage that she rightfully has there might be like uh, some sort of understanding of like, okay, well, you kind of, you know, gave her the impression that yeah. you were going to stick around. Um, at the same time, I think, I wonder if she knew it was a weekend long affair, if she would have changed her tactic. Um, because we tend to, what I'm getting at is we tend to, we tend to blame the other woman yeah. almost more than the right. man so, so often, which I've always had a huge problem with. I agree. Because I think like, you know, um, 
you know, the Angelina Jolie situation. And it's just like, it makes me so uncomfortable because I think like, you know, it's no, the, the person who's in a relationship, it's their responsibility not to step out. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that it's it the person's hands are completely unclean, the Alex forests of the world or whatever, but it's like, you know, if you're not in a committed relationship and you're free to whatever, is it, you know, is it the greatest thing to be sleeping with a married person? No. But like, is it your fault? Did you trick him away from, you know, no, you don't have control, full yeah. control. You're not, you're not, I just, I have a, I have a real problem with that. And, and it's a very accepted attitude. Yeah. Um, I saw something circling the internet the other day where someone had printed a giant sign of a woman, like, on the side of a freeway, like, of her face, um, somewhere, back, I think, in North Carolina, where I'm from, um, of this woman. And it was, like, a sign saying, like, she stole a married man or something. And it was just, like, putting a woman on blast. And it's just, like, oh, because he had nothing to do with right, it. Right, because and what was he supposed to do? Yeah. Well, that goes back to boys will be boys. Oh, she was throwing sex at him. She was coming on to him. What was he supposed to do? He can't help himself. He got, I mean, he's a, he's just a man yeah. after all. I mean, you know, t- uh, yeah, I... I have been involved in a situation where this man was coming on to me and I was interested in him and uh, we exchanged phone numbers and texts and it was it was at like a convention situation. It wasn't Comic-Con. But um, but and then I found out that he was he had a serious girlfriend or something or was engaged. I don't remember which one. Um, And I and I I I will be honest, I made the decision. I still carried on one time and mm-hmm. then was like this yeah. is not good yeah. this is this I don't feel good about this I don't yeah. feel right about this but what was amazing was a couple months later because he was traveling he was worked in entertainment not in film or television but he was traveling a lot and um he he gave me a heads up I'm gonna be in Vegas Ugh. do you want to come to Vegas and spend the weekend and I was like no <laughs> I mean I was like that's an affair. Yeah. Like one, I don't know. I mean, I'm not trying to like talk in a gray area, but I was like, what are you doing? Yeah. And I think at that point, because of Facebook, I had learned that his girlfriend was pregnant. Oh my Lord. And I was like, that's no, I can't do that. And I won't do that. What are you talking about? And don't talk to me anymore. But like, it was his doing oh yeah I, don't, I mean and I was complicit in it one time yeah and didn't do it again but you I know? think yeah and I think uh I I would be willing to bet good money that he uh would volley that out to pl- a lot of women until he found someone who yep. would meet him in Vegas totally. he's gonna do it totally if he's taking that kind of action he's gonna do it anyway yeah. so it's not your fault now um I love that it made you feel icky and that you didn't want to go and I you know I like to imagine I've not been in that situation I I hope I'd behave the same way um because it's gross but like you know yeah it's gross it's tough and you know what like I don't know it's um it's I just the other thing that I I noticed about this um is okay so Alex is he's gone to the police about Alex it's in the final sequence like they're back at the house Beth is home daughter's tucked in he's walking around the house going oh maybe I should lock these doors I don't know uh okay yeah yeah definitely better lock this one and oh yeah this one and I'm like 
I understand that, again, it's a different time. It's the countryside. But, like, you have a woman who is having serious mental health issues. She's having, like, probably a psychotic break. She's slaughtered your daughter's pet Broke into your house and boiled your daughter's pet. So the arrogance of, like, the police will handle it. Oh, we're fine. I've taken care of this. It's over now. And it's like... Yeah, lock your fucking doors. Yeah. What is wrong? Yeah. I just, the whole thing. Yeah. Even after the, he met with the police and I think the cop said, um, I, you know, when he was still presenting it to the cop as like a theoretical thing that a client of his um, was dealing with, the cop is like, I'd tell him to, he made his own bed. He should lie in it. Like yeah. he's already been, it's already been communicated to him that like the cops are kind of like, oh, domestic problem. Like, ooh, you've cheated on your wife. Tell me another story I hadn't heard today, pal. Right. Like th- this is old hat to them slash they're not taking it seriously. But yeah, no, it's, it's yes, it is a, an incredibly irrational, stupid, arrogant decision. Now I will say, because uh, I've, I've done some some heavy beating up on, on Dan, um, But I do think that this movie also touches on something that I wish I wish was taken more seriously now. And that is stalking and, um, you know, and getting law enforcement involved. Like that is something that, you know, I've had personal experience with. Oh, my God. Yes, you did. And it's terrifying. uh, I mean, it's it's really tough to get law enforcement to take and take it seriously. And, um, you know, I I think that and. And also, I have a friend who is a man, a heterosexual man, who um, got into a situation where he he took a girl out on a date, and um, and he's he's like a brother to me. He's very close to me, so I don't believe he was lying to me when he told me the story. But that said, a woman really latched on, did show up at his apartment one time, like, and he called the police, and the police showed up, and the police basically made fun of him Laughed to him. his face. I believe it. And and he was like, listen, like, this is serious. This woman is is relentless. She will not leave me alone. And it was that, that exactly as you would expect, oh, so what's the problem? Yeah. Like, and... Well, you can't handle your shit, buddy? Right. And she, or, oh, a woman keeps showing up, and you're not banging Ooh-hoo. down your door. Like, yeah, yeah and... And to the point where this woman actually did reach out to me private on Facebook privately and was like, I see that you are friends with oh, this person. God. And I was like, let's um let's let's Whoa. take a you know, so there has to be a way to take this seriously and avoid uh escalated situations while still, you know, adhering to the point that the police officer makes, which is I can't arrest somebody who hasn't you know, with no proof and because they might do something, you know, right. that's not how it works. Yeah. I'm it's tough. I am. I, yeah. And I, and I wonder <laughs> just getting back to like what it is, because this is so serious, but, but for some reason I really love watching people be stalked in movies. <laughs> um, and I'm, I, I wonder what that, what that, I wonder if it's just the voyeurism of like watching a train wreck, um, sure. unfold. Sure. This movie truly is it really is you get to see this beautiful family unit um and everything gets like utterly destroyed yeah i mean the most horrifying things that could happen happen yeah um what does that say about me i mean so much so much but voyeurism is i mean listen voyeurism is we i did i've done an episode on rear window on this show and and I just watched 
that for the first time last year. Oh, really? I know. Did you like it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I think that it. might be my favorite Hitchcock movie. It's it to me. It's it's perfection. Yeah. It's all, but it is endlessly. Yeah, it is endlessly entertaining to watch to peek. Feel like you're peeking in on somebody's somebody's yeah. life. We all want to know what's going on in other people's lives, and um, especially like sexually. And this movie, this movie is. Um, that's the other thing. That's the other thing is like I think I think people um in in I think in many ways this is one of those like horror adjacent films that the the general public um might it might do for them what horror does for you or me mm. in the sense that mm-hmm. um you know people it's a human nature to be attracted to people who aren't your partner. Yes. It's just a thing that that is true. Sure. And so for for so this movie takes you um, to it, it is a the sex scenes yeah um, especially the initial sex scene in this movie is like hot mm-hmm. and the scene in the elevator is hot and um, I think because it takes you there mm-hmm. I feel the same way about Unfaithful mm. um, a, a, which is also the another, same director same director yes um, where you see like you are like in it like in those scenes you're just like oh my god and it looks delicious and it's hot and steamy and because you're you're able to give yourself over to the fun of like the forbidden Mm -hmm. and um and and the like deliciousness that is that like sweet piece of pie Mm -hmm. and then um oof I'm sorry for that metaphor but then um and and then to have it all come crashing down and so you're able to live out sort of like this morality play of like what if I made this horrible decision all these bad things would happen and you get that release of like I mean as problematic as it is everything is okay at the end Mm -hmm. and you get to go back home to whatever life you lead and go like phew I'm glad I haven't gone through something like that like thank god um, maybe that's part of what it does, you know. Um, it takes your, you, you know, the 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 life that we're all supposed to hope for and dream for and have, and then like just explodes it. And then yeah. you can be like, oh, phew. And I'm sure that like the people who the um, the American public who responded to this movie because this movie again like can't emphasize enough over a hundred million dollars domestically was nominated for I think six Oscars, yeah. mm-hmm. um, like. This movie was huge. And I think that that general public, probably this was their walk on the wild side. It's like, you know, the, it is playing directly to, like, talk about knowing your audience. It probably was married couples going out on date night, you yep. know, and and watching this and, be and yes, being enthralled in the sex and the passion and these two gorgeous people, even though Michael Douglas is dad bod in, incarnate. But, like, yeah, and, and then going, oh, shit. Like, okay, that was enough for me. That was enough on the walk on the wild side and I'm good and I can... I even I even recall now that you, you're saying that about Dad Bod and now I'm remembering reading that, you know, the, the Glenn Close was not the first pick and she yes. fought and lobbied for the role because they thought she couldn't be as sexy yes. and whatever. And so how funny that we have this woman who's not like a traditional sex pot and this man who is like more Dad Bod. So you really do have yeah. this like very realistic, um, in a sense, well, sort of... 
portrayal because of what like that could be. I was reading some of the names that that were up that were also like up for the role of Alex, and it was it was traditional movie stars. It was like Melanie Griffith, or it was Michelle Pfeiffer. It was like these stunning these women who don't look like real people. Right. And then you have somebody like Glenn Close, who is you know I mean she's she is gorgeous and she's oh my god her body oh yes yeah. I just was yeah. like oh it's, my god it's she's stunning yeah. and she's an incredible actress um so uh, you know but you're right like like the that you be, okay if Michelle Pfeiffer is like hi I'm an ad executive now let's bang uh-huh. you're like I mean it's Michelle Pfeiffer yeah. like that who wouldn't want to bang I would want to bang Michelle Pfeiffer even now and so um so that's that's one thing, and th- but again, it's the nuance that you see here of these choices that that lure you in. It's it's there are a lot of very for a trashy sex movie or an elevated sex thriller or whatever mm-hmm. we want to call it. There are very nuanced artistic choices here yeah. that I think probably absolutely added to it resonating yeah. with with people. And the I I love the um you know the the theme or the idea of um. The, of the type of woman that this movie was presenting to audiences and saying to these married couples and these married women, like, you're not this horrible, insane woman. You can feel okay that you're yes. not her. Um, and and so they're so polarized. Yeah. And it's like, you're either this really wonderful, sweet woman um, at home taking care of what you're supposed to take care of, or you're a um, harlot career woman yes. and stay away from that because yeah. they're crazy. I also really love the line when he tells Beth that he had an affair. He says, remember the woman who came over and wanted to look at the apartment. She says the blonde, yes. the yes. blonde woman. And what a, that is so what someone would say. Yeah. What a perfectly written line because to her, it's like, she's everything I'm not. That's exactly including right. Including blonde. That's exactly right. But also right. she has this job and she's like, you know, she's the type of woman that at these company functions, Beth probably feels, you know, inferior to, even though, like you said, like she's sex on a stick. Yeah. She's gorgeous. And they don't dress her frumpy on no. in those, when she gets dressed up, like I noticed there's a lot of low cut, like she's banging. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's a real, um, oh, it's, it's a tough one for sure. I also wanted to mention just for the listeners, um, because I thought this was really interesting when I was reading the piece from Sherry Lansing's book about, um, about the ending, every single woman who was involved, Sherry, Glenn, and Ann Archer had big reactions to this ending. Like like she says in her book that Ann Archer burst into tears when they told her what was going to happen and she was devastated and because she did not want to shoot that ending and she did not and she liked in the original for our listeners who maybe don't know in the original ending basically Alex frames Michael Douglas's character uh, for her murder but then provides another tape that exonerates him basically like so there is a redeeming moment um so she provides another audio recording to beth to basically say okay he didn't really do it I like i my throat he didn't do it that's yeah. right yes and and it was a and and that audience tested i mean that tested so poorly with audiences that they they had no choice from a film perspective to go back and reshoot it but to me the most compelling yeah that was very compelling to hear that about ann archer it kind of it kind of speaks to um what what is being done 
uh, on a set and what people, what movie people think they're making yes. versus the movie that yes. they, that is ultimately either either through the interpretation of the audience or the director yes. or like I feel like recently I saw um, Natalie Portman. You know they've been doing maybe it's Vogue or somebody's been doing that like so and so takes you through their mm. most iconic roles. Yes. And I think it was Natalie Portman talking about how Black Swan. Mm. Um, she the movie that it was. Um, she's like, that's not the movie I shot. Um, in the sense that like the way the character comes off and the way just everything, the tone yeah. of it, she's like, you just don't have control. And I feel like, no, she wasn't upset about it. Yeah. She was just like, yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't, it didn't come out on film the way that I felt it and the way that we were, that I, the type of movie I yeah. felt I was making. Um, and so I feel like it seems like there was this, at least among the women, um, behind the camera and in front of it, on the set that had a real love and affection for yes. Alex's character. And it was, you know, she was this tragic figure yeah. versus this insane harlot, but audiences wanted to see her burn and yeah. bleed. Yeah. Um, and oof, it, it hurts. And direct, the director, Adrian Lin, I uh -huh. want to say. Uh, Lind, Lin? I think it's Lin I or Line. I've heard people yeah. say it different ways. I think it's uh, Yeah. Either way, though, he also didn't want to change the ending. Um, and basically, <sighs> oh, yeah, they, but they, you know, they, um, the, uh, another producer who was a man, uh, w said, how about, told Adrian, no matter what happens, whether we use it or not, we'll pay you $1.5 million to reshoot it. Like not, you have 1.5 million budget, right. you are being paid. And he's like, how could I not, basically Sherry Lansing said, how could he say no to that? Yeah. And, um, and on top of that, you know, it, it basically, uh, yeah, Glenn Close said she called, she said, I won't do it. Like, you know, please, you can have me carried off in a straight jacket. Like, I'll, that's, but don't, please don't do this. And um, they said, no, the audience wants to see your character burn and we're going to do it. And so she basically, and, and she allegedly, she and Michael Douglas got in a screaming fight over it because she said, like, what, how would you feel if this was your character? And basically Michael Douglas said to her, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about what's best for your character. It's about what's best for the movie. Yeah. And that is such a tough, tough thing to hear, you know, when you're so vulnerable and you are diving in, you know, and for our listeners at home, like Glenn Close has been an advocate for mental health and talked a lot about her own, you know, issue with depression and her own um, uh, nonprofits and or, you know, organizations that she has started to sort of deal with her own issues when it comes to this. And so that's such a it's a very sad. It's just well, a sad to go thing from, to go from your character being someone who kind of like is this tragic kind of figure who who self-destructs to they turn her into a literal monster oh, in yeah. that last scene. They have white contacts yes, in yes, He's that's, choking her underwater and she looks like an insane demon. That scene is really they upsetting. They make her look crazy. Yes. Like I mean she's crazy. Yes. She's she has mental mental illness, but she looks she looks, she looks frightening. Yes, it's, it's, and it's intentional. Yeah. And it is, um, yeah, that, that scene is really tough to get through the, the drowning portion of yeah. it specifically. Um, and you know, look, I, I want to say as a true, as a fan of true crime, the thing that, you know, we always say or think about when it comes to serial killers and when it comes to murderers is, 
you know, we hear sometimes about these backstories, the, the, the truth about what happened to some of these really horrific killers and brutal human beings. And, you know, we always say there are plenty of people who are sociopaths walking around right now who don't ever kill anybody. There are plenty of people who have been abused uh, tragically and sadly who, who don't uh, hurt or abuse other people. Yep. And so I don't want it to seem like we're making excuses, but in a fictionalized setting, which we're talking about here, we have the, you, you, people have the power to do a little better and to be a little more thorough. And that I think is the most distressing part for someone like Glenn Close, the actress, but also for us as fans, like we're just saying like, we could have handled this differently, mm -hmm. you know? So it's tough. Yeah. Oh man, so many feels. I also have to say that when Ellen sees them fighting oh. and she holds her little, oh. she like just like puts her little unicorn, I lit, I actually started crying. Yeah. It was really it's sad. It's so upsetting. It was really upsetting. As it, I mean, it, it adds insult to injury. Yeah. Because it's already so upsetting him telling his wife and, you know, you know they had such a great relationship and like it's, it's shot to shit and then... Just the the worst thing that could possibly happen is that sweet girl and seeing also, her parents fighting. Like, I'm sorry, but once again, Dan, another thing you didn't think about. Yeah. You're, you know, just ask your wife for a blowjob. God damn it. I'm sorry, <laughs> but like, it's just like. I bet she'd give it to you. Yeah, I bet she would too. It's like, just gladly. <sighs> Lord. Lord. Okay. Before we move on to our part where you get to add a movie to the list, uh -huh. um, is there anything else you want to say about? about I, I don't think so. I'm so glad um, because this, I, this movie was a real gift to me to finally see it last year, and I'm so glad I could give that gift to you. Yes, because I do think it's um, it's full of things to talk about, and it operates as sort of like a fun popcorn thing, um, where it's like I heard uh, there was a Faculty of Horror episode where they talk about this and fear, and they compare the uh, two. Yeah, it's like a Valentine's Day episode. Roller coasters. But yeah, but one of the hosts says she's like, "This is a hangover movie for me. Uh -huh. Like if she's hungover, it's like it's entertaining, but like has some substance." So I get that it operates on like a simple level of like whoa this is a fun ride but then also obviously as we've shown there's so much to talk about um and the performances are amazing and I think you know for a movie that is so heavily referenced in pop culture yes. I think um it's uh it's so many people, even if they haven't seen it, think they've seen it. Yes. Yeah. And um it's just nice to take a minute and actually watch um what I think is kind of an iconic movie. It is. It was entertaining as hell. It was very well done. It's well directed. It's sad. It's scary. It's it's a lot of things, you know. It's, yeah. a, it's a great movie. Like, it's a really good movie. It's yeah. just, you know, it's, yeah. So I'm really glad that you, like, gave me the nudge yeah. to watch because yeah. I, I really enjoy it. As much as, as much as one can enjoy something like this, yeah. I, I, I yeah. very much enjoy it. For sure. It. Yeah. Okay, so everyone right. gets to add a movie to the list that is not on the list. So what are you adding? Um, I'm adding Sling Blade Whoa. from 1996. Great choice. So um, I don't, I, oof, oof. I could talk for seven hours about this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm glad to talk to you about it because I don't know what your, um, I, I don't know how your, Southern experience compares to mine, mm -hmm. but we're both from the South. Mm -hmm. um, and this is a movie that I watched a lot with my mom and my brother growing up. Um, we had, I remember we had a VHS copy and I would, it, it's, 
so many of the movies that stick out to me from my childhood are movies that, in retrospect, are movies that kind of gave me a new idea of what a movie could do Mm -hmm. or be about um, and kind of blew my mind in that way. And I just remember holding the VHS copy and reading the description and looking at the pictures and... um, it's, it, I, uh, oof. So Billy Bob Thornton, you know, wrote and directed. Um, I think, I think it's superbly directed and acted and written. Um, I really, I, I, I rewatching it, um, this week was the first time I'd really sat down and rewatched that movie in years. And I, I kept crying. Yeah. Even, even, even when I was laughing, I was crying because I realized how much it kind of shaped me. Um, and I think so much of that is because it's about the South and Southern people, Mm -hmm. which I find, um, I'm drawn to because of my own childhood, but I feel like it, this movie does such a good job of portraying the ugliest parts of people and the most beautiful parts of people. Yeah. It's funny. Um, and somehow, you know, Dwight Yoakam is like this tour de force performance where he is a horrifying, like really unlikable character, but also like great comic relief. Like he's still funny. I I don't, it's magical. And I, 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 whenever I log a movie on Letterboxd, I, I always just like peek at the reviews just Mm -hmm. for fun, especially if it's a movie I've seen. And I saw someone write, like, this movie defies description. Mm. I can't put into words what it means to me. And then this morning, I called my mother. And I was like, I just rewatched, you know, one of our favorite movies. And we were kind of talking about it. And she kept listing off things she loves about it. And she goes, you know, I just, I don't know how to put it into words. And I was like, ah, two people who don't know each other, um, who love the movie, said the same thing. And I just think... I just think that's, uh, I mean, what was your experience seeing it? Have you seen it once, more than once? I I think I've seen it two or three times. I didn't see it as a young person when it came out. Um, I was 12. Yeah. So it was like, I mean, there's some thematic stuff that like probably I shouldn't see at 12, but I did. Yeah. I remember uh, seeing it maybe in college and then I remember watching it a couple of years ago and um, same, I had very similar reactions in that. I thought that I think Billy Bob Thornton just proves that he is a master storyteller. He he is, and you know, learning. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but th- he did that role and originated that on stage. Correct. He did. Uh, I was just rewatching an Inside the Actor Studio okay. recently interview with him about it, um, and he says that that he had sort of formed the character from two people he grew up knowing. Uh-huh. But then one day he was making faces at himself. He was doing like background work Mm -hmm. and he was in a funny outfit with like a funny hair. And he made this face Mm -hmm. and performed the monologue from the beginning where he's talking to the young reporter. He says it just flowed out of him. Uh And then from there, he started doing that monologue as like a part of like, he would do a one man show. Yes. And that character, he would perform it it on stage. Got it. So I think that that... Um, type of stuff is is evident because it is not I think he transforms I think he disappears yeah. and I love Billy Bob Thornton yeah I like, do too I have an unhealthy obsession I think he is a cool dude and yeah. I I think he is an authentic dude and I think he is a complicated dude and I think that you know it's funny I was thinking about about depictions of the south because I'm I'm working on something. I'm working on two things actually, where where a main character or the lead character is a southern woman, and 
you know, there are so many different, uh, like True Detective season one is mm-hmm. a great example. Yes. Like to me, I was like, I have seen this. Oh yes, it like, felt like home. Yeah, like Absolutely. I, and granted, I don't want to, I always try and be clear, like I don't want to misrepresent where I grew up because I, I grew up in the Orange County of Atlanta. Sure. But that said. You don't have to go that far outside of those kinds of I, areas in the South though that's to ex- reach. That's exactly what I was about to say is my family, my extended family yeah. on my mom's side and my dad's side uh, did not grow up in the Orange You're County. You're never that far no. from it. No. And, um, and so... Yeah, you just watch some stuff and you're like, this is real. And you know, Southern people are so complicated. Yeah. And um, it's tough. It's really tough now, like in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for a lot of reasons, honestly. And it's it's not the same. Midwest is not the same as Southern and, and, you know, and and, uh, Southwest and and all that stuff. But I think... I was blown away by Billy Bob Thornton and um, and I thought that writing is so powerful and direction. I, I agree with everything you said. Like, it is such a powerful yeah. movie. Yeah. And, and it, they really are complicated characters. Yes. Like, to, to your point about, like, and this, the South being really complicated in the sense that, like, I spent years trying to distance myself, mm-hmm. um, being kind of embarrassed, making fun of it, talking about how racist it was, where I'm from. And then I got older and got more experience and realized, like, well, you know, some of that stuff exists um, everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the South does not have a monopoly on that sort of thing. Right. We all know that now, especially. Right. Um, but uh, it's sort of that, um, like you said, that complicated, especially history in the South that you have. And these people in this film are, like, you know... So you've got you've got deep and abiding like kindness and patience and, mm-hmm. and friendliness and openness and then right alongside um, people who are just like absolutely the worst of the worst and you and they coexist because they have to yeah and that's been the state of things um, there for a long time and yeah. it's it's and sometimes those things exist in the same person and you're like how do you how are you how do you exist yeah. um but and I think that movie doesn't pull any punches yes. and it um you know there's some problematic language and things and um can't 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 leave a conversation about Sling Blade without talking about John Ritter in that movie yeah. because he's fantastic. Yeah. You know he plays kind of like this pseudo closeted gay person right. in a really small town right. and um right That's it's right. just beautiful. Right. It's just there's there's this really wonderful scene where he takes um <laughs> you know he's fallen the reason he's still in town is he's fallen in love with somebody and he you know he wants to yeah. leave he's from St. Louis yeah. and he wants to get back out of there but you know he's kind of made a few connections. And Carl, the Billy Bob character, comes into the picture and he he takes him to lunch and he's like, you know, buys him some French fried potatoes mm-hmm. and he um he's like, I think you and I, John Ritter's so good. He's like, I think we're our souls are the same. He's like, you seem like a deep thinker. What are you thinking about? You know, and he's just trying to make a connection mm-hmm. and be friendly. And of course, you know, his answer is like, I was thinking I might want to get some of these for later. Like, he's not yeah. thinking deeply, but he does think deeply. Like, there are other moments in the film where you realize the character, you know, run, has rivers that run deep. So, um, yeah, there is something about the people, the way they talk, the 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 hospitality, the sort of, like, getting along um, or, like, pressing on even when things are really, really tough Yeah, that um, is, like, both beautiful and terrible to watch. I... 
it just it I had like just emotion releasing just watching just rewatching it yeah. going like God this movie is such a it's a moment and a place in time. And it's pitch perfect, I think. You know what? Um, one of the it's reminding me of S Town. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think I listened to S Town twice within maybe a one month or six week period. I listen. It yeah. is, but you know the reason that I I think that aside from its excellent storytelling and has a fascinating uh, uh, main character, yeah. um, is that that feels like the South to it me. It does. Like, you know what I mean? And and the complexity yeah. and the um, the good and the bad and, and everything in between mm-hmm. is all on display. Yeah. And, um, man, it's – but but that that to me, yeah, S-Town and Sling Blade, I think that they're comp- – again, it's just like the savant. Yes. Who's, you know, and, and who's the only – one of – only the only people in the entire planet who could make these clocks and fix these clocks and it's a, and it's like a not a self-taught thing mm-hmm. and the fact that John could just in in S town could just do it yeah and you're just and he, and on the lies he tells but the truths he tells are they lies is it real yeah his legacy has been demolished by the powers that be his hedges and all mm-hmm. that topiaries mm-hmm. and yeah, that the the two of them are Sling Blade to me and S Town are kind of like yeah cousins. The, the South is just this sort of like area people generalize it and there are there is nuance and there are different parts that are very different. Um, you know, like Northern Florida is right. not the same as the South of Florida, nor is it the same as Tennessee, and it's all it's all yeah complicated. But um, but it, that's one of the things I love about Sling Blade is I think it it um. It portrayed a South that I knew. Yes. And like, and also some, some stuff I didn't think about or know. And like, you know, th- there's a scene where um, Dwight Yoakam has all his friends over to like play their fucking guitars and it's hilarious and amazing. He's like, well, I'm gonna get the band together. And he just gets <laughs> drunk and he wants to play music. And then afterward, they're sitting around a table and um, talking about music and lyrics and this one kind of like portly, like very Southern man. He's like, He's like performing beat poetry that he wrote um, and arguing over like where the ellipses go. And it's just, uh, it's just, it is, it is a deep and complex um, movie, but also a simple one. And it's, it's amazing how kind of like slowly paced that movie is, but it's still really compelling. Yeah. Like it's over two hours, but it's, I, I, I am completely riveted the entire time. Yeah. And, um, and also like you, I think you mentioned the direction it's, it's interesting because there aren't very many close-ups mm-hmm. in the movie. Um, there are so many wide shots of people sort of like sitting in a room where you you lean in because you you're like, Ooh, what are what does that person's face look like? Um, and I particularly love right towards the end when um, spoiler um, Carl, the late lead character, has decided he's going to kill yeah. Boy Yoakum's character, and he's sort of like saying goodbye to everyone and giving away his books and whatever, and he. Uh, every scene that he leaves um, with a character, he he goes and talks to the little boy, he talks to John Ritter's character, he talks to the mom, and the last thing that happens in all those scenes is he goes out of frame and that person goes, Carl? And, like, sort of asks after him. Like, they just say his name. And it, like, it sounds pretentious or something, but it's not, it's like this... Yeah. It's just that you don't really notice it until you've watched it 17,000 yeah. times. And then you're like, oh, wow. You know, it's... Um, 
just really beautiful, thoughtful, artful moments yeah. that, um, and some of Billy Bob's other movies, like I remember watching this movie, Crystal, that was okay, mm. good. And then there's this one my mom really enjoyed called Daddy and Them, oh. that Laura Dern's in it. Oh. I, some of his other like writer-director stuff has kind of fallen short of the mark for me. Like it's it doesn't yeah. have the same stuff. And that's why I think this movie is just so special. Yeah. Um, and it ha- it just fills up my whole heart. And I, um, and it, it got good critical. Like I was reading Roger Ebert's um, review, and it's very solid. Yeah. You know, he really liked the movie, and um, it got it got a lot of critical praise. But I don't think it got enough. Yeah. And I think it's. I really think it's. Um. It should be remembered. Yeah. I think that's a great choice. I co-sign. I co-sign Yay! for sure. I thought about it for a while. I was like pouring through the lists and I was like, I it, it just kind of came to me. Yeah. I was like, yeah, that's that's the one. It's a landmark for, for – and also, I mean, Billy Bob hopefully has many years as an entertainer and a storyteller ahead of him, but I do think that his legacy is very much – it's like Sling Blade and Bad Santa. Yep. And I mean, that's not a bad legacy. Nope, not too shabby. <laughs> but that's a great choice. I love that choice. Yeah. Great choice. Great, great Thank choice. Thank you. This is so good. Oh, my God. I'm so glad that we did this. I've been wanting to have you on the show since the beginning. I'm so glad to be here. I've listened to many episodes. Oh. I'm part, The only ones I, I don't listen if I haven't seen the movie because yeah. I want to watch the movie and then listen. Sure. It'll be a whole companion thing. Yes. So sometimes I have to put it off until yeah. I've watched but um but I love what you do here it's so fun and um and I love uh I mean I I like you like spend a lot of time immersed in and thinking about horror but I love all kinds of films yeah I love that's why I love having um discussions about all different types of movies and it's interesting when I was scrolling through to make sure I wasn't going to pick something someone else had picked I was like wow some people really um just sort of like went a little off the rails like off the beaten path yeah I love that yeah so many things to choose from and it helps you I feel like it helps you learn things about your guests oh yeah um you know and they bring something to the table so great show you got thank you you're the best you're the best this was so fun thank you I can't wait to listen to the I actually can't wait to edit our episode because it's (laughs) gonna be fun to listen to yes I can't wait to listen all right love thank you again friends that's gonna do it for me today I really hope you enjoyed that conversation about fatal attraction between Kat and I um you know there's been a lot written and a lot said about that movie but hopefully this oh Rufus is uh shaking in agreement but hopefully this is uh this was a different type of approach to to that conversation and um I like I said in my intro um and throughout the conversation I love Kat I think she's amazing and wonderful um so if you haven't already if you're a Sex in the City fan check out Carry On and and if you're a horror fan or a genre fan, check out the Boys and Ghouls podcast. Um, and if you're listening to this and you contribute to Patreon, thank you. I'm going to do an AMA for our mini this Thursday. So if you haven't already, head on over to Patreon. And um, if you're a $5 and higher contributor, go ahead and leave your questions on Patreon and I will address them. And if you are not a contributor, that is also fine. Please share the podcast, rate and review the podcast. And uh, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already subscribed, um, that also is a good thing. Alrighty, friends, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back next week with another love-centric episode, um, but a very different love-centric episode. Thanks so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
Thank you.